0: Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Durani,
1: and I'm your host.
0: Zach, hey, it's so great to see you, my friend.
1: You too, Drew. I appreciate you having me today, brother.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking the other day, sometimes... You know, I've you and I have known each other for a short time. And we had one phone call that for me, it was very impactful in a positive way. And I've noticed that I may know people for 30, 40 years, right? And I may know people for 30, 40 minutes. And I find lately that the people I've known for 30, 40 minutes, I have a much, I don't know, it's like a stronger connection. It's hard to describe than people I've known for years. I don't know if that's good or bad, different, or because of my mindset's changed, but I want to thank you because you made a huge impact on me, and I, I really wanted to have you on on the show, um, and uh, and I guess I just want to let you know that before we started, so I appreciate it. Oh, that. man,
1: I, I appreciate that. It's funny, especially in this podcasting world. It's such an interesting thing because, um, and the way we got connected, we're, we're inquisitive about stuff. We want to learn and see and grow more, so it's almost like a uh, I feel the same way when I meet new folks like yourself or or on my podcast, it turns into like, uh, almost like a refreshing piece to see new mindsets, new, new personalities, and see how people have very similar and very different struggles, but how we've all gone through it. So it's, uh, definitely enjoyed it, man. Definitely enjoy it all.
0: Yeah, no, it's awesome. So, so I, you have an interesting background and, and I admire what you're doing now. Can you try to catch us up on how you got where you are? Tell your story a little, um, and I'm just going to go sit and listen.
1: Yeah. So, man, I'm born and raised here in Atlanta. Um, and that's very hard to find, it sounds like. Everybody's moving to Atlanta these days. But I'm yeah. um, born and raised right here, man. And I was actually a police officer. It was my first gig okay. um, here in Atlanta. So, in my backyard, literally. Um, before that, and I know we talked a lot about um, mentorship and different pieces. And it's funny, I did a little bit different upbringing where I was uh, actually homeschooled in middle school and high school.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Um, I went and I got my bachelor's degree while I was a police officer. So my early twenties got my bachelor's. Took me about like six and a half years, seven years, <laughs> something like that. Right, right. Um, but it was all remote, so similar to like homeschooling, right? And then. Right. Um, I left the police department, joined the military, and I became an infantry officer, deployed to the Green Berets in 2019. I um, did a lot of my, uh, I have a MBA in small business operations, did a lot of that remote, actually from Afghanistan. So um, during, man, very little Wi-Fi, but it was enough to read and, and write a paper or two. and. Um, you know, it's crazy during that time, I actually owned a couple of businesses. I was operating a couple of businesses from over there. So it's, it's been a very, uh, interesting journey, right? You know, police is usually what happens after the military, not before. And then right, business right. ownership, yeah. you know, business ownership never happens with government folks because government work is usually decent. So, um, right. yeah. So trying to, trying to figure out the world in, in a different way, if that makes sense. Absolutely. No, it completely makes sense. So, you know, since you,
0: it, you did it kind of backwards, But, you know, there's no there's no written book on how you how you do things. You do things when you're ready and how you're ready. And um, how did the police training and the military training, how did that impact the bit? Well, you had the business before the military. So how did each one impact the other? You know, kind of like did you adapt some skills you learned in each one and they all work together? I'd love to know that.
1: Yeah, so it it was—it's weird, you know. The entrepreneurial mindset. I never meant to be an entrepreneur. I never meant to be a business owner. I only thing I ever wanted to be was was a police officer. So when I started that first company, um, it was actually my two weeks led into. I was twenty eight years old. My two week notice from the police department led into basic training. So at twenty eight years old, I'm a decade older than all the kids running laps around me, getting drill sergeants yelling at us, and. Uh, My drill sergeant was younger than me and was in my face relentlessly. And two weeks before, I was arresting drug dealers and working narcotics. I'm like, what? So it was such a shift, but it was so humbling at the same time. Yeah, right. And during that, I knew I didn't want to get back into law enforcement. And I recognized the gap that I felt like I could provide where law enforcement, you can't make recommendations. You can't say install this lock, this alarm, this da 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 um, and I actually have a a long why, you know, the start with why with Simon saying my why yeah. uh, was actually something that happened on, uh, on duty. But what it did is it shifted. Like, man, I, I think I could bridge this gap from how police is police officers are limited by liability. You'll get sued. If you say something wrong, right. I, I can do this. I can help them uh, help the community in a different way. And that's where I started the first company and it was phenomenal. But, yeah. Um, it, we're tied into the military, got out of training, came back, launched the business. Uh, month six, I made $10,000 in month six alone, my first 10K month. Hmm. And that was after working for years. I was a police officer for seven years, making 40,000 a year. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm onto something. <laughs> in month seven, I left to go to Afghanistan. Oh and it's goodness. like, yeah. all of it shifted. So I had to really quickly figure out Business operations, uh, remote operating, and really restructure the business where I was forced. A lot of entrepreneurs work in the business, not on the business. I couldn't do that from Afghanistan. So I had to really, really study processes and figure out how to efficiently run a business, which doing that during the military and then COVID hit. After so six months after I got back from Afghanistan, COVID hit. I get rolling again and then COVID hit and I didn't miss a beat because I already learned how to really streamline operations. So uh, it was really fortunate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that is fortunate.
1: It was it was yeah, very fortunate. And not everybody was that lucky. Uh, but it, it was definitely good lessons. Uh, I kind of look at it lessons from the battlefield to the boardroom and kind of Mm -hmm. how do you operate and manage in a high-stress environment. And uh, thankfully, I'm very well trained in that, for sure. Good for you. Good for you. When
0: you transitioned out of the military, was it a difficult transition to civility and all that? Because I've talked to a lot of veterans where it has been difficult for them.
1: Yeah, so technically speaking, I'm actually still in the military. You are. Um, Yeah, so I got injured in Afghanistan, but it wasn't found until – It was two years ago this month, actually, right about this time I went down to do pushups. I I was getting promoted. I was fast tracking after several of the awards I got and some of the work I did in COVID and with the CDC and went down to do a pushup, dislocated my thumb. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Stood up, popped it back into place, thinking nothing of it. And then my entire left arm from the elbow down went numb. And I'm like, well, that's not right. And we had a four day weekend, so in the military, you don't ruin a four day weekend. Like you go enjoy the four day weekend. I'm like, ah, I'll check it out next week, right? Yeah. Well, five days later, my entire arm was still numb, and nothing had come back—no tingling, nothing. And and uh, um, the ring finger and pinky left hand stayed numb. Um, and go through a bunch of tests and all this stuff, and come to find out, uh, I had a, a massively pinched nerve in my elbow—my old your funny bone nerve.
0: Right, right. That right. nerve
1: was highly compressed but instead of it actually presenting itself like it normally does with the numbness, it atrophied my hand and it didn't get the nutrients in my hand. So, which is why my thumb dislocated. So, um, fast forward to now, I just had my first medical discharge appointment last week, 20 months later, wow. because the military is so slow in, um, I wasn't for four months out of these 20 months, I've actually gotten treatment on the arm. Um, and I mean, it's one of those, I still don't have feeling in the hand, can't really use the left hand very much. And, Um, working on that medical retirement. But all that to say, when that injury happened is um, one of the darkest times. Um, I actually, about the same time the injury happened, Turned down an eight-figure deal from a very large uh, broadcast company for one of my companies. Yeah, um, I scaled one company in COVID to 155 countries, and I was getting a lot of VC interest. Turned that down uh, for other reasons, wanting to maintain the altruism attached yeah. to the mission we were accomplishing. Yeah. Um, yeah. At that point, I owned six companies, and when all of this happened the week before the surgery, uh, in March, two years ago, mm-hmm. I was at the end of a dock with a pistol in my mouth and I was so miserable and knowing this injury was going to take the uniform from me. I was, mm-hmm. that's the long I I'm no longer good at the infantry. I'm no longer good at the army. Right. Um, the, the big army already said they didn't want me. The state side already said that they couldn't do anything for me. So, felt completely worthless like used up like i gave everything i gave an arm literally oh my god you did. felt used up oh my, and it's yeah. like now you don't need me and i thought that was the rock bottom point where i was just going to become a statistic on paper um at 32 years old at pay, on paper i was massively successful yeah and absolutely. massively miserable knowing i was going to lose everything i'd worked for i was going to lose my identity the uniform the the flag i fought for for 15 years like right ripped away from me, which is where the actual cover of my book came from. Um, It's the American flag heart with a tear through it. And it's actually a photo uh, that I took in Afghanistan as the background. And it it really signifies all that getting torn away from me because I I hated it, man. It was a terrible transition because it's like, now you're not good to anybody. And I actually internalized that quite heavily.
0: Oh, Sure. Yeah, it is interesting how most men and I, I, i'm sure women some women do it too you tie your self identity and your self worth to the job you get paid for or that you do for service um and and when you when you rely on an external circumstance or something outside of you for the the the, the level of your self worth um when something goes bad your self worth goes bad so I feel for you, man. I'm just, I'm just trying to process everything you just said. So the part where you mentioned at the end of the dock with a pistol in your mouth, what got you to take the thing out of your mouth and turn around and say, no, there's something to live for. What, what was it?
1: That recognition didn't happen for me. Actually, I sent a text message to my now ex-wife mm-hmm. um, and I, I sent a text to her, um, she, we have a uh, a goddaughter uh, that lived with us at the time. Mm. Um, I was on for, um, I was stationed elsewhere, um, if you will. And uh, so back home, she was there with the goddaughter and the goddaughter's mother. And um, I sent her a text. I said, "Hey, uh, don't worry about me anymore. Um, life insurance is going to take care of you. You'll have everything you could ever ask for." Um, thinking just like, "Hey, just don't worry about me. Stop worrying about me." Because it was a very um, I brought a lot home from Afghanistan. I lost six guys out of 50, brought a lot of guilt home, leader guilt, survivor guilt, and just never dealt with it. Right. Um, so I was really angry. And I was so angry at the world, angry at myself. And there's so much to unpack attached to. Thankfully, I, later I got therapy and now can conceptualize it better. But I sent her this text message and she sent back, the cops are on the way, don't you dare. And the guy that was a cop just a few years before I then spent six hours in my apartment complex hiding bushes and running from cops. I became a criminal and I got so angry. So the rage I felt internally, then I turned and displaced onto her and blamed her for calling the cops on me. Like, how could you, how dare you? And for a long time, I, I held it against her. It was like, how could you betray me like that? Right. I was on my way out. I was good. And then spend hours running from the cops. So it wasn't that something took the pistol out of my mouth and I decided against it. It's that that rage got redirected in a way. So instead of being mad at myself, I became mad at her. Um, and that that sounds like a rock bottom point. And it wasn't for me. Like mm-hmm. that wasn't where I actually look at rock bottom. Um, and I could talk about that piece a little bit more. But as far yeah. as that one instant, that's where it shifted for me.
0: You know, in, in a way, and I don't know if I'm processing the right way, it's almost like a thank you to her for turning that rage from within to outside. Because if she hadn't texted you, the cops are coming. What would you have done?
1: Being that cop, I in of a doc, I would have been found for weeks. Like I had it planned enough to right, right. understand. Like I just it wasn't going to be something where somebody had saved me and it, it would have been done for. And, yeah, right. um, it, it if people say it's selfish, people say, you know, that, that path is, um, the wrong path for some reasons. And I, I agree in a lot of capacities, but there were things that, you know, the skeletons in the closet of the military and the police, they teach you to compartmentalize, Yeah, take yeah. the skeletons, bury that shit, buried in the closet and continue the mission. You know, if, if you're on an op and you're, Battle buddy, if your best friend gets killed, they drop and you keep moving. And so you're, you're just taught to, to disengage. And what I found out later when, as I was going through therapy, I found out later, it's actually a sector of PTSD called avoidance where okay. you learn to just avoid those feelings. You avoid all that. But what ended up happening is every night when I was miserable and I was at the the bottom of a bottle of bourbon those skeletons started clawing at the door and it was like a volcano It just bubbles up, bubbles up and eventually it explodes. And um, that was where I couldn't, I couldn't maintain that. Right. And that's where, you know, it started showing itself and I isolated myself, didn't have relationships, friends, family, anybody because I isolated myself. I didn't want people to see me like that. You know, it was almost embarrassing to an extent.
0: Right. Right. You know, it is interesting that, that when we go through trauma, Uh, and it's trauma is all relative i mean i can't compare what i've gone through to what you've gone through for each one of us it was equally as painful um we tend to shun the support systems that we have that have helped us in the past um because i know i did it and and it's interesting how the human mind does that because yeah the embarrassment the you know i don't want you to feel sorry for me you know that kind of stuff Whereas it, it is actually healthier <laughs> to be able to reach out and ask for help. And, and um, I mean, that's something I'm trying to help men realize that it's, it's okay to ask for help. So, so how did you get and, to the point where you finally did get to go to a therapist? Lead me up to that path.
1: Yeah. And that's the funny part is the, I think the reason looking back at it, the reason I didn't ask for help from the people that I knew would show up is that I didn't really want the help. I, they would actually show up as like. Oh crap. What if they actually show up and the people that I could, could have called would have actually shown up. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I, I purposefully refused help almost like I didn't conceptualize it. And I wasn't thinking about this is what I do. You just do it
0: automatically. yeah. Right.
1: So fast forward um, the next week, I I left the training I was in, moved back to Atlanta. um, Didn't have anywhere to go. One, one buddy of mine, um, a Navy veteran, Um, Let me sleep on the sofa in his child's playroom for a couple months as the only spot I could find to come back to Atlanta. And we had a a long conversation one night and he 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 this is the rock bottom point. He said, Zach, you've done all these amazing things you you've gone you've paid for mentorship coaching the mba you've always sought external knowledge you've done such a great job trying to learn more externally del carnegie instructor police instructor everything you could imagine to garner more knowledge he said the one thing you've never done is look inside to learn more about yourself wow. and he's like go upstairs and i bet you you can't look in the mirror and tell yourself you love yourself me being the brash and audacious, you know, high performer, like, ha, watch, I love me some me. So i March off, not, never turned down a challenge, March off upstairs, go look at the mirror. And I got, I look, and then I immediately had an anxiety attack, oh my. balled up on the floor for two hours and just bald for hours because I, the one person you should be able to tell that you love couldn't do it. And that was the rock bottom point. That was the part where the, the, First chapter on my book is called A Look in the Mirror. That was the part. Taking a look in the mirror was so devastating to me. And that's where I finally realized this is rock bottom. I have to find answers to this internalization that I'm missing. And that's where therapy, the next week I started therapy with a, an amazing program. Um, I, I got out on a, a mission of knowledge to figure out who the heck I was, not who the uniformed lieutenant or officer yeah. night was. Who's past that? Who am I? What part of me do I love? Yes. Absolutely. And then it let me fall. Essentially, I dated myself, right? Yeah, yeah, I rediscovered yeah, who the heck I was absolutely. and then started falling in love with myself again. And it was a yeah. huge shift.
0: Jeez, the gratitude you must feel for your buddy who who had the the wherewithal, the wisdom, the knowledge,
1: and the courage to actually say that to you. Not knowing what your reaction would be. Right. I'm, on, I'm not in a good mind space. I'm not yes. necessarily a small guy. I'm pretty well be. trained in a lot of things. So yep. ballsy, very ballsy to say a, it.
0: Yep. He took a risk and, and he
1: didn't care. Somebody what their, that, he but that's that. somebody that truly loves you as, yes. as a man to man, as a friend. So that yes. that's somebody that cares about you. That's who you need to surround yourself with. Like, Absolutely. Holy cow. What if I didn't have him as a friend, a mentor? Yeah. yeah. Man, where would I be now? Cause Absolutely. he cared enough to say that.
0: Absolutely. Well, that, that, that's, that's wonderful to hear. And that's, that's one of the things where a lot of men um, don't have that. And it, you know, you don't want men to fall into that victim mindset where I don't have somebody. You can go out and find somebody. You know, you've got when you're doing okay, when you're doing quote unquote well or better. That's the time to look for your mentor and role model, because it's 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 the times when you're not thinking about it that you're going to need it. You know, and um, all right. So so wow. So you've come a long way, man. And um, you, you're very inspiring. So once the, you, you, you finally were able to tell yourself you loved you and you did the therapy and you started working your way, um, I say you've already gone from the caving in to now you're in the coping stage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel right now you're in the crushing it stage. So how did you get through that coping stage to start to be more self-aware and change that mindset that I am going to do so much more that's going to help myself and help others?
1: You know, it, it took a shift in perspective and it took a huge dose of grace for myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things going through therapy that my therapist said the very first call, this is where I actually accepted, um, having him as a therapist, very yeah. first call. Yeah. Um, and I interviewed, you know, a dozen therapists, nah, nah, you're, and I always found a reason to say no, right. Yeah. Just nitpicking. Right. And this guy said, you know what, have you ever thought that, You didn't pull the trigger that killed your guys because I always said, "Oh, I got, I, I killed these guys. I got these men killed. I'm the one doing planning the operations. I did this." He's like, "Have you ever thought to actually blame the enemy combatant that pulled the trigger?" And I was like, I literally sat back in my chair, like, "Holy cow! I've never like the the thought never crossed my mind. I consider myself a smart dude, but like, never thought." So having that shift in perspective, like, wow, I didn't actually pull the trigger. And I'm dishonoring the memory of these men by thinking I did this to them. And I'm like taking away the value that they gave to this world. Right. Um, you know, it wasn't honoring them in the way that I, that I should have. And uh, that grace and having that understanding shifting a lot of ways for me to recognize that the best way I love putting it in or best way I love saying it is that, um, my morning routine involves the gym every morning, every single day. I don't take any off days unless something happens. I wake up, I go to the gym. And one of the big pieces for me was recognizing that just like at the gym, you don't go in day one and walk out looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger that same day (laughs) for your mind. You have to be putting in the reps day in, day out. And I I told you about my hand and I have a whole story of how I I got to this, but um, I actually picked up the piano and started learning to play the piano as recovery for this, this issue. And you think a weighted key on a piano and I can't even feel two fingers. So imagine uh, that controls your grip. So I can't even put pressure. I had to learn how to roll my hand a certain way. Right but it challenged me, stimulated me mentally. Um, I yeah. started journaling. I, I love classical music. So it's always when I was really high, high anxiety, I would put earphones in, listen to classical music. And I'm like, what if I actually create it and not just listened to it? Wow. So the first day I practiced for six hours by week two, I was playing uh, a piece of Mozart and I'm like, hey, it's it terrible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not uh, like, uh, it
0: right. doesn't matter how good or bad. Never it. played
1: an <laughs> instrument in my life. So like I, yeah. you know, but, it was enough for me to be like, wow, what am I actually capable of? Yeah, And you think of all that I've done in my life, I'm pretty dang capable of a lot of really interesting things. But like yeah. the mind is so strong. So putting the reps in from journaling to reading, um, playing the piano, that meditation piece, yeah, you know,
0: yeah.
1: Absolutely. Um, couple times a day I actually have it blocked off of my calendar um, walk I have a 16 year old husky so I walk yeah. my husky and cook lunch and then walk yeah. my husky and cook dinner it's actually in my calendar yeah, yeah. Um, so preserving and being selfish with myself in my own mm-hmm. time. Yep, right. Caring for myself enough to put myself first mm-hmm. when for so yeah. many years that servant mentality can be toxic if you're not careful it can. It can. because you're giving all the time. and You're never refilling your own coffer to be able to give to others. And absolutely. for me, that was the big shift is like, how do I maintain that and just keep doing the reps over and over and over again? Because you have to mm-hmm. to maintain that semblance of a decent mindset.
0: Yeah. You know, it's very helpful. You mentioned about putting it in your calendar and then not just putting it in your calendar, but honoring what you put in your calendar and doing it. Um, I struggle with that, Zach. Maybe you can help me with that at some point.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, it's one of those things and being having grace like that time is actually right now while we're recording. Mm -hmm. But knowing how valuable this conversation is to me, it's that piece. right? Right. It's like, wow, this is worth me shifting this because this is like one of those i'm refilling my coffer but like, even don't have this conversation it's not client time it's not all these businesses that i'm you know i'm not putting out of fires like this lets me reflect on things this le- this lets me have a great conversation about this stuff yeah. this is worth. so I, it's not a hundred percent solid concrete all the time but as yeah. soon as we get off this i'm gonna go walk the pup and make lunch right That's so it's good having that Absolutely. grace and flexibility to maintain it um that rigidity is great at times but you yeah. got to flex a little bit for a good combo, you know
0: well I'm, I'm honored that you you kept this time and you know what if you had told me that you had i would have said we can do a different time just because you know and and that's not the people pleaser in me either because i'm trying i've i'm a reformed people pleaser but I would, oh get i get that one that's a tough that's that's toxic being a people pleaser i'm yeah.
1: telling you 100 um, yeah
0: yeah so uh what I want to be able to help you. What, what does the audience need to know about Zach Knight? Uh, Tell them about what you do, how you service people and your businesses, whatever you want them to know. Tell us a little about that and what, how they can reach you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. And um, the, the first piece, uh, my book I released on veterans day a few months ago, and um, it's called the legacy of love, a journey of self mastery. And it actually highlights everything we just talked about it highlights what i the steps i took the tactical uh, applicable steps that i took um small things every day right and highlights that that's found on amazon um i actually uh I, I did a lot of research on uh ancient leaders and you look back to the romans um and they're they're all philosophers the philosophical leader and Mm -hmm. I I read meditations and uh, Marcus Aurelius and different pieces there and um, when I released the book it released number one in mental health and number one in philosophy mythology so I thought that was really fascinating to see how my leadership style has really shifted but um, the book is a big piece that I'm really highlighting now and um, the other piece is, um, uh, the newest organization, uh, my seventh company, I just launched in October, about the same time of the book. And, mm-hmm. um, it's called ATL vets advancing the line for veterans, I'm really focused on small business owners that are veteran-owned, trying to – knowing how much the mindset impacts the business for every entrepreneur. Right, right. Um, I, I do this on the business side with Be a Tactical Leader, but I wanted to give this to the veteran community, seeing the struggles I went through, and talk about my struggles. Um, and HEL Vets is a big piece that's really going crazy right now, having some amazing things and when hosting send, a bunch of did events. Did you send
0: that to me in the bio? The Absolutely. You, you, you already did or you will do something uh, i
1: believe i it's, did I, all right I'm i'll, I'll sure. check
0: i'll check it for the show notes but i want to put that yeah. in the show notes for you so
1: yeah that piece is huge man because you know and there are of course female veterans out there love them all yeah. i only served with men in the infantry so when i say right. this you know i I I speak to those men of like, you know, we need men to lead the charge in the mindset piece. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys don't want to hear about it in the personal life. So, hey, let's work on your business. But every time you talk about business, it goes back to, this is what I'm struggling with personally. So I've recognized there's a good balance there. And that's the big piece I'm really trying to support right now. And um, I have about 10 events in person a month here in Atlanta. I'm doing Mm -hmm. a massive conference here. Um, this summer where I have some amazing sponsors and it all goes back, all the profits go back to support ATL vets and okay. i really focus on that business entrepreneurship. So recognize like the big pieces, like recognize the mindset feeds into it. And if you're a business owner out there, like you gotta get the mind, right? Learn to lead yourself and then you'll mm-hmm. more effectively lead others.
0: Yeah. You know, that's a very good point. The, the mind, you know, what I've noticed too, is a lot of men, um, the same men who are resistant delegating in their business are the same men who are resistant, asking for support in their personal life.
1: Control. Yeah, You have that iron grip. You have to be in control
0: control. and being a fix. I I fix things. Now, what we learned um, growing up, which I think was a, a lie, is you need to separate business and personal life because uh, to me it didn't make logical sense. you know you're, you're sleeping impossible. quote unquote eight hours of the day, right? And you, your person let's pretend it's an even eight eight eight. eight hours. Eight, how do you have everything at, at home and then stop it and then go to work? You can't. Human beings aren't meant for that. And what I've le- what I've seen is there are a lot of skills that men have personally. That they don't adapt to their business, and a lot of skills they have in their business that they don't adapt to their personal life.
1: Guilty. Holy cow! Let me tell you how guilty yeah. I'm. Think about law enforcement. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I thought I couldn't bring that home to. I'm twice divorced. Right. Um, the the police department ended up um, breaking up the first marriage because of all the things I went through. I worked undercover narcotics and gang investigations, like uh, SWAT operator. All those things I, I internalized, which fed into the home military, then did the same thing. And that whole work-life balance concept is impossible as a business owner. Um, The the shift I've seen is integrated life. How do you integrate the life um, that you're living at home? Because I was wearing so many different masks and then I'm never genuine to myself and you never knew who the heck I was. So how could somebody love something that you don't even know, right? right? You can't even learn who I am. So um, that integrated life, I mean, that's a great point. really got to figure out that integrated life for it all.
0: Right. And, you, you know, too, so, so we got to work people. It's people like you and me are going to it's got to be a grassroots efforts because the powers that be are not going to do this. So you think about we got to work on that integrated life. And the second thing is you have the military and the police who, in, who teach you or indoctrinate you certain things, what not the whole compartmentalize and all that. They have a duty to then when you transition out to help you unlearn that compartmentalization and try to help you, you know, train you to assimilate back to reality. I say it, and and that's where we need a lot of the aftercare for former police officers and former uh, military happen. veterans. It doesn't it happen, so doesn't we got to create it, and that's really this types of stuff because that mindset is exactly what's changed for you when you're in those establishments, and when you leave, they don't untrain you.
1: Right. And, you know, from the time I was in Afghanistan, to the time I was back on my own sofa yeah. was five days. Mm, wow. And I'm back living my quote unquote normal life. Right. Five days after I just, I ran um, the offensive operations every four days for a year. Unbelievable. And then five days later, I'm on my own sofa. How do wow. you, there's no decompressing no. from all that. Like you, you can't, there's no gear down on that no, capacity. No. So of course things started cracking all around yeah. me and, and 100% I agree. We we have to do a better job as men, man to man, right? Like men can bond oh, in yeah. a different way and it's Absolutely. like Man to man, we have to do a better job about recognizing the the conversations we don't want to have like loving yourself. You got to have that conversation. Absolutely. We got to be able to talk about this with each other and recognize we're all struggling with very similar things as men and and if we, we talk are. about it, we all start healing a little bit more.
0: Yep. It's all about it's all about the debrief, right? We do debriefs Absolutely. in meetings, debriefs in, in any kind of a uh, tactical plan we got to debrief our mindset and debrief the day together and uh, help each other, lift each other up. Well, you know, Zach, I could talk to you for hours and hours. I I thank you so much for your time and and for your service and for the friendship we've we've begun. And uh, I I trust this won't be the last time you and I speak, my friend.
1: Absolutely, man. I appreciate you for having me. And uh, definitely uh, keep on doing this good work, my man. All right. You too, Zach. Take care of yourself.
0: Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.